Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Bev Vincent, author of the new book, Stephen King, A Complete Exploration of His Work, Life, and Influences. Vincent is the author of The Dark Tower Companion, The Road to the Dark Tower, and The Stephen King Illustrated Companion. In 2018, he collaborated on the anthology Flight or Fright with Stephen King. His short stories have appeared in places like Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, Borderline, Borderlands 5, Ice Cold, and The Blue Religion. Bev, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here. Sure. Well, your new book is Stephen King, A Complete Exploration of His Work, Life, and Influences. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you also wrote, wrote The Road to the Dark Tower. You're obviously very knowledgeable about Stephen King and his fiction. When did you first discover King yourself? Um, the first time I picked up one of his books was in 1979 when I was an undergrad um, at university. Um, I lived in Halifax, Nova Scotia at the time. And there was a used bookstore close to the campus that I used to go to. And I was reading mostly fantasy and science fiction at the time, but I saw a copy of Salem's Lot on a shelf near the checkout. And I seemed to remember somebody recommending that book. So I pick, picked it up just among the stack of other things I bought that day. And I was hooked and I've been reading him ever since. And when did it go from just reading his fiction to researching and writing about King, his life and his work? Probably the start of it all was in the 1990s when the internet was really starting to take off. There was something called Usenet, which is sort of like the early precursor of Reddit. And there were news groups for every different topic that people might be interested in. And there was one called King, And it was really active. Uh, a lot of people were on there discussing his work. And I was a sort of a regular participant in that. And, uh, you know, people would ask questions about his work, and I was always the sort of person who, if I didn't know the answer, I'd go look it up. And so people often came to me as a source for information. And in 2001, uh, Richard Chismar, who is the editor of Cemetery Dance Publications, asked me if I would sort of convert that thing that I was doing, you know, on the internet into a, a regular column for his magazine called News from the Dead Zone. And I've been doing that ever since 2001. Great. And what led you to writing your new book, Stephen King, A Complete Exploration of His Work, Life, and Influences? Um, about, I guess it's probably about 12 years ago now, I was approached by a publisher who had been commissioned by Barnes & Noble to do a reader's companion for them. And that was Stephen King Illustrated Companion came out of that. And over the years, I've, you know, kept in touch with the publisher and I did one update for them. And uh, sometime last year, I asked them, you know, if they would consider doing another update because there'd been a lot of new books since the, the previous edition. And they said, instead of doing an, uh, an updated version, why not go back and start from ground zero and do a completely new book? And so this one... Um, the previous, the Stephen King Illustrated Companion, I was only able to address about 10, maybe a dozen of King's books just because of, you know, space limitations. Mm -hmm. And I'd always regretted that I hadn't been able to explore everything. And this new book gives me the opportunity to 
at least touch on everything. Uh, some of them I go into in great depth. Other ones I just sort of at least mention where the inspiration for them came from. But that's really what I've always been interested in. You know, people are interested in biography, but for me, biography is only interesting when I can relate it to what he was writing at the time and how maybe it influenced uh, a particular work. Gotcha. And I'm curious, do you think that we will see a Major King biography at some point? Um, that's hard to say. There have been uh, unauthorized ones that have been done over the years. Um, most of them are fairly out of date at this point. Um, I don't know that King would ever participate in one. He's, he doesn't seem to be terribly interested in that. Um, although he, he doesn't object to them when they happen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's always possible. I'm not sure. Sure. Well, for those who don't know much about King's early years, can you tell us a little bit about King's childhood? Um, so King uh, grew up in a very poor environment. Um, his mother moved them around a lot. His, his father abandoned the family when uh, Stephen King was two. He had an older brother, David, who was adopted. Um, and his father just disappeared one day and they've never heard from him since. Um, so his mother was left to look after the family and they moved around quite a bit. They eventually ended up in rural Maine which is where King did most of his uh, uh, later school years. Um, he went to the University of Maine in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, got a degree in English, um, started writing at the, the same time. He did poetry for uh, workshops at the university, started writing short stories, started submitting things to, for publication. Um, and then he got a job as a a teacher out of college, which was barely enough money for them to make ends meet. Um, but he continued to sell short stories, and the short stories sort of kept them going uh, when they needed things like car repairs or medicine for the kids. And then, uh, you know, he submitted a couple of novels that uh, the publishers were sort of interested in, but they wouldn't quite go that step to to publish them until Carrie came along in the, about 73. And the, the hardcover sale for that one was a nice sale, you know, it sort of gave him confidence. But when uh, the paperback publisher came in and bought the rights to uh, do the reprint and paperback, they did that for $400,000, of which King got half. And in today's dollars, that's probably you know, a couple of million dollars, uh, given that he was making less than $10,000 as a teacher at the time. Well... When did he publish his first short stories? Was it when he was in high school or in college? He, he submitted when he was in uh, in high school, but the first short story was one in Startling Mysteries, which I believe was published in when he was in college. Um, he published several things in university publications as well, uh, poems and short stories, some of which... Uh, later uh, were featured in his first short story collection, uh, Night Shift, which came out in the, the mid to late uh, 70s. Well, we should mention that Peter Straub, who collaborated with Stephen King on two novels, The Talisman and Black House, um, unfortunately passed away less than a week ago when we're recording this. Um, yes. How did those two collaborative novels come about? The, so Stephen King became aware of Peter Straub when his, the Peter's publisher sent him 
I believe it was Ghost Story as an unbound manuscript in hopes of getting a blurb, and, and King was really impressed by it. Uh, and he, he did give a, a good blurb to that book. And then King moved to England with his family uh, in, the, in the 70s. He wanted to write something that had a British feel to it. And Peter Straub was living in England at the time, and so they met uh, for the first time. Um, and it was during that meeting that uh, they came up with the idea of collaborating on something. At that time, they didn't know exactly what, and, th and they both knew that their busy schedules weren't going to let them uh, get around to it for several years. But eventually they did. Um, they got together. They wrote uh, in together in tandem in the same room uh, when they finally began the talisman for a while. And then, which to me is a modern-day miracle because this was probably 82 or 83, <laughs> they were working on different brands of word processors, and they were able to connect them up using a phone modem and send installments back and forth to each other, which to me, that's, that's pretty clever. Uh, technology was not so good. And given the fact that they were completely different systems, um, but it's amazing that that worked. Um, but yeah, so they, they carried on mostly uh, you know, sending things back and forth by electronic means. And then they got together um, towards the end to try to figure out how to wrap the book out without having it turned into something that was two or 3,000 pages long. And and what about Black House? How did that come about? Well, I I guess you know King and Straub remained good friends over the years, and mm -hmm. and they probably uh, you know discussed the idea of you know I think the question has come up with King's work, especially people ask him you know whatever happened to Charlie McGee from Firestarter, or whatever happened to Danny Torrance from The Shining, and so maybe they asked each other you know whatever happened to Jack Sawyer. He had this, you know, wonderful adventure that took him into a completely foreign land. He, uh, you know, saved his mother's life. Um, wonder what he's like now that he's grown up. <laughs> and so again, they got together and they they mapped out this uh, sequel called Black House, which uh, takes the the twelve year old character from the Talisman and uh, shows him now as a, a police detective living. In Peter Straub territory up in uh, the the Midwest, uh, so he's a, a police detective who's I think he's about thirty five in that one, and uh, he still he he hasn't had any of those miraculous experiences that he had as a boy, and he maybe he starts to think maybe that was all a dream. He's starting to forget some of it, but then something happens that makes him remember and have to revisit the territories, this other uh, parallel land that he discovered as a boy. Well, I know that 10 or 15 years ago, King talked in several interviews about retiring. Of course, as we all know, he never did that. And in fact, he's been writing and publishing even more. His latest book, Fairy Tale, has just been published this week. Have you read Fairy Tale yet? And if so, what are your thoughts? I have. Yep. I, I read it. Uh, I've read it twice so far. Um, I got early uh, copies maybe two or three months ago. Um, for people who like the talisman um it's it's that sort of uh heroic quest fantasy um it's about a boy who's about 17 who falls in love with a dog that he falls heir to through some interesting circumstances and he discovers that there's another world beneath ours where if he travels far enough he'll find something that will help him help this dog who has problems he's getting pretty old and so it's a 
it's a descent into another world. It's a quest, and he thinks he's just going there for one reason, um, but he ends up um, basically becoming part of a fairy tale, which is where the book's title comes from. And King uses this novel to explore creation of stories. Where do fairy tales come from? Um, why do similar stories pop up in different cultures that are unconnected to each other? Because um, there's a lot about this uh, world that he goes into that seems very familiar to him. He sees things that remind him of The Wizard of Oz, uh, things that remind him of Ray Bradbury's stories, um, H.P. Lovecraft. And so it, on, on one level, it's just it's a straightforward you know, adventure boy, boy with his dog who wants to save his dog. But on the other, it's uh, exploration into where do stories come from? Uh, perhaps some of the things that we think that writers are creating are actually filtering through from parallel worlds. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you wrote a companion to King's Dark Tower series called The Road mm -hmm. to the Dark Tower. I'm curious, do you have any sense um, if King has any plans to possibly return to the Dark Tower universe for possibly any prequel novels? He's he's often talked about it. Um, there are certain stories I know that he has said that he would like to tell from, especially from the early days of uh, the main character Roland Deschain and his first group of friends. Um, he he really has a hard time keeping the Dark Tower out of his his works. Um, even in fairy tale, there are a couple of glancing references to things that will be familiar to fans of the Dark Tower series. Mm -hmm. It seems to go in cycles. Um, when he was working on the series proper, um, there'd be like this rhythm of every five or six or seven years, he'd get the inspiration and the motivation and the energy together to tackle the next book. And even once the series was done, another six or seven years later, he decided to go back and, and write another book, which is a sort of an interstitial book called The Wind Through the Keyhole. And there, there've been lots of other short stories, novels, novellas that are strongly influenced by it. And I, I think it's something that occupies his mind quite often. So I, I think most of us who have been followers of the Dark Tower series, and you know, I, I started reading it in 1982 and kept up with it all the way along. I think we hope that there will be another full-blown Dark Tower something or other. But, um, of course, that's completely up to inspiration and motivation and, uh, you know, whether King really feels like it's a story that deserves telling sure everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too. connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And I'm curious. I mean, if you have your your own thoughts, because I, I you know, um, I feel like we're kind of in a golden golden age of um, video and filmed content with you know umpteen number of of streaming services. I'm just, I'm, I'm as a, as a fan and a viewer, I'm just shocked that, um, the, uh, dark tower has not made it into kind of an episodic TV on a Netflix. I mean, do you, have you heard of any, um, efforts along those lines? Yeah. So of course there was the movie that came out in 2017. Right. Of course. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, there, there was um, a, there's a guy named Glenn Mazzara who who, who had the rights to uh, produce a pilot for uh, Amazon, and they filmed essentially. I think it was based on the fourth book, Wizarding Glass, which tells the story of Roland's youth. And so, yeah, so they had the full pilot filmed, uh, and Amazon decided not to pick it up. So that was disappointing to those of us who knew that was going on. It's a it's a complicated story. Um, Ron Howard um, and Akiva Goldsman had the rights to it before the theatrical film that came out in 2017, and they had this idea of doing alternating features and sort of small interstitial miniseries. So the the features would would uh, focus on the like the big events and the sort of you know, Netflix series or whatever streaming service, mm-hmm. little stories would be the more intimate, personal drama things that go on. And it was an interesting concept. They basically tore the series apart and reassembled it um, using like index cards and they had it all spread out. I have an interview with both Howard and Goldsman in The Dark Tower Companion where they laid out their vision for what they hoped to do. And uh, it was, it was, you know, it was a, it was a big concept that it was going to be expensive. Um, I think the reason why the movie didn't do as well as people hoped was because the studios didn't understand what to do with it, and they kept cutting the budget back and back. So it only ended up being like a ninety-minute uh, feature when really, you know, something like that should have been should have been a like an HBO type series where they could go full on with whatever effects they wanted, you know, and tell the story the way it's meant to be told. Sure. Well, do you have a favorite King novel or short story? I've got a few. I always have a hard time picking favorites, but, you know, Salem's Lot always because it was the first and it it really, it really set the hook. Um, You know, it wasn't just a casual reading. Once I read that, I had to go read everything else. Um, Fairly recent things, uh, Bag of Bones is one that I often uh, mention as uh, so it's it's an intimate story. It's it's got the gothic element to it, um, and it's a first person story, which King at that time did do fairly often. So it felt like you were being told a story by Stephen King rather than you know being immersed in a, in a book. Sometimes 
the the audio version of that one is is, is really impressive. It's it's a really good listen. And then the the companion to Bag of Bones is Lisey's story, because Bag of Bones is about uh, an author whose wife dies, and Lisey's story is about the wife of an author who dies. So I've often looked at them as bookend you know, companion stories. Sure. Well, given your research and knowledge of King, do you think there are unpublished novels or stories that might show up at some point? There are definitely unpublished novels. Um, in, in his uh, archives, th- there's one that he wrote when he was 16 called The Aftermath. Um, there's one that he uh, wrote in college around the time that he was working on uh, The Long Walk uh, called Sword in Darkness. Those are complete finished novels, but those will never see the light of day beyond his literary archives. I'm pretty sure of that. And the archives also have quite a number of complete and mostly complete short stories. But I think you know, there was a time when King started, you know, collecting his stories into books, and so he did, there was, uh, you know, Night Shift and Skeleton Crew. And he got to a point where he said. I've collected all of the old stories that have been published that I think are worth recollecting. Um, so anything that appears in a subsequent collection will be something that I've written from this point forward. Um, I think he, you know, looks critically back at some of those earlier works and says, you know, there, there were, you know, they served their purpose at the time, but the world doesn't necessarily need to see them. And, and that's that's one of the subplots in Lisey's story. Um, it's about this guy, you know, after the writer dies, there's this guy who really wants to get in and dig around in the writer's papers because he's sure there are things in there that, uh, you know, he wants to see if, if if nobody else does. And King treats that character a little bit dismissively, you know, as, you know, you know, stay out of my archives. You know, that's that's none, none of your business. It's up for me to decide what I do with my things. Um, and so, yeah, man... It's hard to imagine that there's anything that he wrote fairly long ago that he would republish even posthumously because there's always new stuff. And, you know, you're always really excited about the new stuff when it comes along. Sure. And do you think the plant is pretty much done? Will he ever revisit that? I think, you know, he gave it two cracks. Um, So for for people who aren't familiar, the, the plant is a... It's a story that he began in the 1980s that he sent out as Christmas cards, essentially, to his friends. And so in 1982, 83, and 85, there were three installments. There were, he published them himself. They're very lavish, you know, very elegant paper, you know, nicely bound. And then he just, he ran out of steam with it. And then when people started self-publishing things on the internet in the late 90s, he decided to bring that out and carry on with it. But the way he described the process ultimately was that he felt like he was pushing the story along rather than it dragging him along like normally happens. It just wasn't coming together. And so he he wrote another few installments in the, the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, and it, the story just fell apart on him. And he just, I think we've probably seen the last of it. Sure. Well, what led you to co-editing a short story anthology with King Flight or Fright in 2018? That that all is down to the Dark Tower movie. Um, I was invited to go to Bangor for the world premiere of the uh, of the movie 
um, King's office uh, arranged for a lot of people to come in. So Richard Schismer from Cemetery Dance was there. There were people there from Sony. Uh, people came in from all over. And we had a dinner at this uh, 50s-themed restaurant uh, before we went to the movie. And, you know, everybody came in. And getting to Bangor is not the easiest thing. They <laughs> uh, always have a connection, at least one. And it's a small little airport. And everybody had a, a story. And so as King went around talking to people, greeting them as they came, you know, he heard these stories. And he had just read The Horror in the Heights by H.G. Wells. And he just came up with this idea. And I was sitting with Richard Chismar and his boys. And King came over and he said, I've just had this great idea for an anthology. He said, we'll gather up all of the published stories you know, that, are, that we can find that have something to do with terrible flights, bad flights, whatever. And he looks at Chismar, who's you know, a cemetery dance publisher, and he says, and you can publish it. And because Richard Chismar has published a number of limited editions and other King things, and he's co-written uh, with King. And then he said, but you know, I'll need some help finding the, uh, the stories. And he looks at me and he says, that'll be your job. <laughs> and I've often joked that if I had gone to the bathroom or something, if I hadn't been sitting there at that moment, I might have missed that opportunity. But... Um, I took him seriously, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, people toss off these ideas and it's, it's, you know, not necessarily meant seriously, but as soon as I got back from, from Maine, I started digging around and then we started, uh, tossing ideas back and forth as we found stories. That's great. Well, I know that you've written your own fiction. When did you first start writing fiction and when did you have your first short story published? I wrote a short story when I was in grade eight, which would have been in the 1970s. 70s. Um, when I went to university, I, you know, after I discovered King, I, I found Night Shift, which is all of his early, early short stories. I was inspired by that. And so I wrote a lot of stories uh, in the early to mid 80s, which I never submitted anywhere. Um, I tortured my uh, colleagues in, in the dormitory by reading them to them. But um, in the late 90s, I decided I wanted to pick up writing again. Um, and so I started uh, writing fiction. At that time, mostly of horror fiction. And I had my first story accepted for publication in 2000. Um, it was a little thing called Harming Obsession that, that won a, a Halloween uh, writing contest. And since then, I've gone on to publish 120-some stories. In the early days, it was mostly horror. Uh, more recently, they tend to be more crime fiction. Um, although I do do the uh, occasional science fiction or, or horror story tinged usually with something to do with crime. Well, have you written any novels as well as short stories? I've written, uh, novels. Uh, I have two novellas that have been published. Um, there was one that I did with another horror writer called Brian Keene. And for that project, we created playlists for each other to listen to while we each wrote uh, a novella. We've often shared our musical loves and interests, and we thought it'd be interesting if I made a playlist for him and he made one for me. And that's a horror story called The Dead of Winter uh, in a book called Dissonant Harmonies. And then when COVID came along and I was sort of idling around looking for something to do, I, I put together a, a self-published uh, novella called The Ogilvy Affair, which is, is published on Amazon. But beyond that, I have I have several novels. I have two that I think are in a state that 
I, I want to get them in, into the, the hands of some uh, editors to see if uh, I can get those published. One's a straight crime novel, and the other is uh, it, it, it's about a horror writer. Um, it's slightly King influenced, but it's it's <laughs> not. Yeah, it's about a, a horror writer who had a mysterious experience at a inn early in his career before he started writing, and he was influenced by it. And he's never talked about what the mysterious thing was. And now in the modern day, there's a fan convention going on in that inn, and he's been asked to go back there. That sounds fun. Well, what what books besides fairy tale have you read recently that you enjoyed? So I just finished reading uh, Heat 2, which is the sequel to the Michael Mann movie. Uh, and it's written by Michael Mann and uh, Meg Gardner. And uh, it, it's both a sequel and a prequel to the movie. It, it delves into what happens after the last shot of the film and then goes back and tells some of the stories before the movie took place. And another one uh, I also read this weekend is called The Devil Takes You Home by... Uh, I think it's a copy of your name. It's uh, Gavino Iglesias. And it is a crime novel with supernatural elements um, and interestingly, I, I took these both of these books with on vacation, and they both have to do with people who are trying to steal money from organized crime, uh, drug dealers, basically. Um, completely different takes on that subject, but uh, I recommend both of them highly. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your writing? It's, it's hard to avoid me. Um, I have a website, bevvincent.com. Um, where I you know, have all the information about my publications. I, I try to update my blog at least once a month, um, and I have a message board. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Bev Vincent. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I think I have a YouTube channel, although there's not very much there. But uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I have to uh, warn people that that's where I really let my hair down, and I'm very, very outspoken about my political leanings on Twitter. So that's not necessarily for everyone, but there's lots of King content there as well. Sure. Well, again, we've been speaking with Bev Vincent, author of the new book, Stephen King, a complete exploration of his work, life and influences. The book is on sale now. So go buy a copy. And Bev, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff. I very much appreciate it. Wonderful. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.